Well, good morning, 1115. How are you guys doing today? Some of you guys are probably like, who is this chick standing up there? Well, I am Pastor TJ's wife, and actually, I usually um, help to lead our Pompano Beach campus, but I'm excited to be here this morning to meet a lot of people that I haven't met before. So it's exciting for me to get to be at this campus and to share something with you this morning. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series on wisdom and Proverbs? Man, it has been incredible. I don't know about you, but I love Proverbs because there is so much in that book of the Bible that is so applicable to our life. And if we will just take those things and actually put them into practice, we'll see our life begin to transform. And so what I like to do every time I step on a stage is to give honor where honors due. And I know somebody a little bit more personally than maybe you guys know him. And that's my husband, Pastor TJ. And I just want to tell you guys that the same man that stands up here every single week and the same man that you interact with is the same man on the stage as he is off the stage. And yes, you can give it up for him. He is a man that believes in people, that encourages people, that challenges people. In fact, during first service, he was just out visiting other churches to encourage their pastors. Because how many of you guys know sometimes the local church, we can be competitive and going back and forth, but... Man, we need to be a church that unites the church as a whole. And so I'm so grateful for a pastor, a leader, a husband that believes in me in that way. And I tell you, I saw him walk through the door and my, my nerves kind of went a little bit like, oh man, he's here. Started getting a little flutter in my heart and just like, oh gosh, the man that I love is sitting in the front row and oh, so give me a second. But when TJ was telling me that he wanted me to speak in, in this series, he goes, Shayla, you can talk about anything in Proverbs as long as it's these two verses. And I started thinking back to my childhood, and I was like, I had a little brother. I grew up, I'm the oldest of six kids. And when we were younger, my little brother, he would go out in the yard, and he would, like, go exploring and bring back all of these creatures and just, like, crazy weird things that girls don't like. And... As he was out there, he would come back and he would be so excited. He'd be like, Shayla, I found a spider. And it was this big. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt when TJ was telling me, Shayla, you can talk about anything in Proverbs as long as it's these two verses. And so the first verse that he gave me, you guys can put it up on the screen, is this. Proverbs 25, 24. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. I was like, really? That's the one you want me to talk about? What? It's a good verse. Mm-hmm. I said, buddy, that's where you're going to be living this week if you really want me to talk about that. Let's move on. What's the second verse? He goes, Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Did you ever hear that there's, there's a, I see people elbowing each other out there. I said, TJ, you know, they have this torture method overseas, and they will put somebody in a room by themselves, and they will lay them down, and they will drip water on their forehead all day long. That's what your life is going to be like this week if you want me to talk about the quarrelsome life. Well, I... The verse is true because I think he felt it this week when he was like, 
laying those things out for me. He really didn't tell me that. I just thought it would be funny to bring those things up and say that he said to do that. So, um, but he probably does think I'm a quarrelsome wife sometimes. God bless him. But as I was thinking about this message, I really want to talk to you guys about your heart. Because I think our heart sometimes is something that we really neglect, something that we don't really ever think about or, or really manage. And so as I was doing some research for this message, I went on Pinterest. How many Pinterest people do I have out there? Where are all my ladies at? A few men. I like TJ. Yeah, follow TJ's Pinterest boards. All you'll get is CrossFit. So I was looking up stuff on Pinterest, and I found all of these sayings about the heart. And let me just tell you, there are some stupid sayings about our heart. Things like, just follow your heart. Just trust your heart. Just go where your heart leads you. That is a bunch of bull. If somebody ever walks up to you and says, oh, honey, just trust your heart, turn the other way and run because they don't know what they're talking about. Listen, if I would have trusted my heart in so many instances and been led by my heart, my life would look very different today than it does now because I would have been in a whole lot of relationships and made a whole lot of mistakes and followed after a whole lot of people that I should have never followed after if I would have followed my heart. And so today I want to talk to you about the heart. And as I was doing some research, did you guys realize, as I was looking stuff up, do you know that heart disease is the number one killer, not only in the U.S., but in the world? Heart disease is the number one killer in the world. And so I started doing some research on heart disease, and I started looking some stuff up, and I found this on Mayo Clinic. And it says, while cardiovascular disease can refer to different heart or blood vessel problems, the term is often used to mean damage to your heart and blood vessels by atherosclerosis. I did good. You guys need to cheer for that, because that is a hard word. The first service, I just said the A word. I mean, like the A, like I, never mind. Okay. So atherosclerosis is a buildup of fatty plaques in your arteries. Plaque buildup thickens and stiffens artery, artery walls, which can inhibit blood flow through your arteries to your organs and your tissues. Atherosclerosis, geez, I'm doing good, is also the most common cause of cardiovascular disease. And get this, it can be caused by correctable problems, such as unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, being overweight, and smoking. The number one killer in the world is caused by problems that we can correct. Heart disease is the number one killer in the world. And I think there is such a strong correlation between our physical heart and our spiritual heart. And I think there's, there's a reason for that because we serve a God who designed us so intricately that the parallel between these two things is incredible. See, our physical heart, if you were to ball your hand like this in a fist, that's about the size of your physical heart. And that physical heart is what fuels your entire body. It's what pumps blood to your organs. It's what brings you life. It allows life to flow to your body. This small little or organ that is about the size of your fist brings life to every place in your body. 
But see, God and all of his intricacy and all of his goodness, when he writes about the heart in the Bible, he refers to our spiritual heart. See, and our spiritual heart is very much like our physical heart because from our spiritual heart fuels our soul, our well-being in life, our mind, our will, our emotions. Our life flows from our heart. And just like in the world today, heart disease is the number one killer. I believe that heart disease is also the number one killer in the church. Because we have a lot of people that are walking around with hardened and diseased hearts. We have people that are walking around that have allowed bitterness, resentment, offense, laziness, anxiety, fear, unforgiveness to slowly begin to destroy our spiritual hearts. And just like physical heart disease slowly hardens your arteries, the same thing happens in our spiritual heart. We begin to allow the cares of the world, the burdens of our relationships, the disappointments, the hurts, to begin to sink into our spiritual heart and slowly harden and destroy those places. And eventually, it starts leading to death. It starts leading to, to people that get hurt and they leave the church. It starts leading to places that destroy relationships because our heart slowly becomes hardened and closed off to the things that are meant to bring us life and encouragement. See, I think heart disease is not just the killer of this world, but it's the killer of the church. And I don't think any of us intentionally fall into this category. And so I want to talk to you guys today about how we can avoid the spiritual heart disease that is plaguing so many of us. And we're going to kind of stick in one passage of Proverbs, and we're just going to kind of break it down today. And so if you guys will turn with me to Proverbs 4.23, it says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And I want to slowly break this down, and I just want to camp on one thing right now, and that's the first part of this verse that says, above all else. And I think it's so easy just to pass by this, and we've all heard the, the verse before, and we've all just kind of skipped over it. That means, like, I need to watch out. Don't let that person in your life, and don't do this. And I think that's wise. But there's some other things that, that Proverbs is referring to right here. So above all else. And when I hear above all else, I think priority. I think what this verse is saying is we need to make our heart a priority. You need to bring it to the top of the priority list. And so many times we don't think about our heart. We don't acknowledge our heart. We just kind of walk around. We wear our heart on our sleeve, you know, those kinds of things. But what this verse is saying is you need to take your heart and you need to make it a priority in your life. And as I was preparing for this message, I came across some research on the word priority. And it said this, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It meant the very first or the main thing. And it stayed singular for the next 500 years. 
Only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities. Illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. And somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. You know, I think so much of our life, we've thought, well, I can make my job priority, my family a priority, my marriage a priority, God a priority. We can make all of these things priority. But the problem is, you can't have four things as the first thing. And what Proverbs is saying is, listen, you need to make your heart the priority, the first thing, over your family, over your job, over your church, over all of those things. And you're like, say what? Over my family? Why? Because it continues on in Proverbs. It says, because everything you do flows from it. Listen, your family, your job, your church, all of those things that you're involved with, guess where they start? Your heart. And we have to begin to shift our heart and make our heart a priority. Why do we need to make it a priority? Why is our heart above all else? Because your heart is valuable. Because it's the essence of who you are. Because it's your authentic self. It's the core of your being. It's where your dreams, your desires, your passion lives. It's where your connection with God and others comes from. Your heart is important. And God is saying we need to quit neglecting our heart and we need to move it to the top of the list. You know, one thing for years that TJ has consistently done with our staff is he'll come up to us and he'll be like, how's your heart? Not how's your ministry. How is your heart? Why? Because he knows that every single thing that happens in this church, good or bad, it starts with the heart of this staff and the heart of our pastors. So he comes to us and he says, how's your heart? Because it matters what's happening in your heart. See, most of us, we never think about the condition of this. We always think about the condition of this and what's going on all around us. But the fact is, the condition of this is directly related to the condition of this. And there are so many of us walking around concerned about our circumstances, concerned about our relationship, when what we should be concerned about is making our heart a priority. How many of you guys know that when somebody has a disease, does it just affect the person with the disease or are the people around them infected or affected? It affects everyone that's around us. See, if someone has a disease, it affects their family because why? their family has to take care of them. Their family is worried about them. Their family is taking on extra responsibility. When we walk around with disease, we mistake ourselves if we think that this disease is only affecting us. And the reality is the same is true of our spiritual hearts. If mom is walking around with a diseased heart, guess what? It's just not mom's diseased heart that is affected. It's affecting her family. It's affecting her kids. It's affecting the people that she's doing life with. Guess what? When, when dad has a hurt and diseased heart, when he's taken on an offense or he's frustrated, that offense is not just affecting him. It's affecting his family. It's affecting his coworkers. It's affecting the people around him. See, when we have something going on in our heart, 
We fool ourselves if we think it just affects us because it doesn't. That's why Proverbs is saying you need to make your heart a priority above all else. And then it goes on to say you need to guard your heart. And when I think about guard your heart, what I think about is protection. I think of protection as kind of like this extra layer of security that we kind of put around us, in front of us, all around us. It's like a bodyguard that somebody would have to go through to get to us. It's kind of like the annoying gated communities where you pull up to the gate and you have to show your ID and you're frustrated because there's a line that's all the way out to the road and it's so annoying. But guess what? Those people pay for that protection so that they avoid harm in their life or in their homes, or in their circumstances. When we guard our heart, there's an extra layer of protection that comes over our life. But how do we do that? You're saying, Sheila, that's great. I know I'm supposed to put my heart up here, and I know I'm supposed to guard it, but what does that look like? And I think the answer to that is simple and difficult all at the same time. Because the answer to how, our guard, how to guard our heart is one simple word, and that's truth. And it's the truth of what's in this book right here called the Bible. And it's God's word and and his protection and all of these different things. And in John 8, 32, it says, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, the truth of God's word brings us freedom in our life. I remember there was a time in my life where I'd gone through some really, really difficult circumstances And I had to go see a counselor. And the circumstances that I had walked through, I would never wish on any other woman or any other man for that fact. Because it was an experience that I will never erase from my mind. And as I sat in front of that counselor, I remember sitting down and the lady across from me and she goes, Shayla, I just want to tell you, because of your experience, because of what you've been through, it's going to be difficult for you to love or to trust a man again. And luckily, I had a protected heart. Because luckily, I know the truth of what this word says, what God's word says, and that truth was a protector of my heart. And I could look straight back at that woman and say, that is not truth for me, because truth for me says that all things are made new. That I have a hope, that I have a future, that God has a plan for my life, and I refuse to accept your words as truth in my heart. And see, God's word acts as a barrier, as a protector on our heart, and we allow the words and the experiences and the things that we go through in everyday life, we filter those things through God's word. It acts as protection. And let me tell you, if I did not have that protector in my life, listen, I would be the person that never loved a man, that was scared to enter in any relationship, that would have changed the course of my life. But see, when truth is a protector of our heart, it keeps us in the right place. It keeps us on the right path. See, God's word, so many times, it it actually talks about the armor of God. And you can read about it and study it, and there's some pretty interesting things in there. But it talks about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. It talks about it being our offense. It talks about it being our weapon. 
But then it also says that there's a shield of faith. And so the shield is our faith. The shield is our faith in God. The shield is our relationship with God. The shield of faith. Well, listen to what I found in the Bible in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So guess what? The word of God is not only our weapon, but it's also our defense. And I think there's so many of us that walk around and, and we don't have that protection over our life. And there's so many incredible things in God's word that want to protect, that want to shield us from making those decisions, from going the wrong ways in life. When TJ and I were first married, we were young and naive. We've learned a lot since then. But I remember... I think we were, how old were we when we got married? 21? So we were probably 22, 23 at this time. And I remember telling TJ, I really want a black Mercedes. And I just, can you just please give me a black Mercedes? I really, I really want a black Mercedes. How many of you guys are out there like, yeah, me too. I, I, I like to tell my husband that. Well, one day I came home and guess what there was? A black Mercedes. And I was so excited. I was like, I was thrilled. And this black Mercedes, this thing had a mind of its own. It was one of those things where you're just like, this is amazing. I love this. And see, at that time in our life, my black Mercedes was actually a black lab named Mercedes. Because I couldn't really afford a black Mercedes. So TJ got me a black lab and we named it Mercedes. And I loved that thing. But she was crazy. And she would just, like, we lived with my grandparents at the time. We were taking care of them. And they had a really large piece of property that was right on the Manatee River. And so labs, they loved to swim. And she was out there swimming all the time. I mean, like, in the river all the time. And I remember I was out there one day. And I was watching her just swimming. And she was just, like, in heaven just swimming all over the place and rolling in the mud and getting all dirty. And she was just like having the time of her life. And I'm just, you know, sitting out there relaxing, enjoying it. And down the way, I see like this thing floating down the river. And I'm like, oh, it must be a piece of driftwood. It's cool. So I look up again and it's getting closer. And that is not a piece of driftwood. It is an alligator. And it is heading straight towards my black Mercedes. And I was like, mm-mm, I can't lose this black Mercedes. And so I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, my, I'm, I'm about to witness National Geographic where they like the alligator and, uh, like, worst-case scenario playing out in my brain. And so I remember looking at Mercedes and looking at the alligator, and I looked at Mercedes, and I'm like, Mercedes, Mercedes, there's an alligator. She is going to eat you. Mercedes, Mercedes. And Mercedes just turns around. She looks at me. And she's just swimming back over to the shore all nonsense. She doesn't know there's an alligator following after her, and she just. And she gets back on the shore right before that alligator got to where she was at. And I thought to myself, how many times is God saying through his word, through other people, watch out. 
you know what, you're, get, you're, get, you're crossing the line in that relationship. You, go, you know you're going a little bit too far. You, you need to watch out. You know what, you're, you're crossing the line morally there. You're, you're really on the edge. Just come back over here. Come back over here. I can, I can see what you're about to enter into, and I don't, want you, I don't want you to go there. And he's calling out to us, and he's saying, I want to protect you. But you know what Mercedes had the choice to do in that moment? She had the choice to be like, I hear that lady, but I am, she is killing my fun out here. I'm just going to stay out here, and I'm going to keep Why does she keep calling me? She doesn't want me to have fun. And we look at God the same way, and we're like, God is just some cosmic killjoy. And he is out there to destroy the fun in our life, and we can't do any of those things. That is not how it is at all. See, he's going, I want to protect you. I want you to live an incredible life, a full life, a life that you can have fun and you can enjoy and you can flourish in because I don't want this thing right here, right now to bring you destruction and I'm calling your name. See, God's word, it acts as protection in our life, the truth of his word. And we need to pick it up and we need to begin to read and uncover the truth of what he says about how to live the life that he intended and purposed for us to live. And maybe you're saying, Sheila, that's great, but the Bible is so confusing. I don't get it. I open up and I see like Leviticus and they're nailing foreskins to the wall and that crap is weird. But you know what? Start simple. We're in a series on Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs in the Bible. If you wake up on, the, on day 10, you wake up on the 10th of the month, open your Bible to Proverbs 10 and read what it says in Proverbs 10. Start somewhere. There's devotionals sitting out there on the information table. You know what? Just get God's word inside of you. In James 1.22, it says this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. How many of you guys have teenagers? Four of you. Okay, great. Okay, a few more. So I was a teenager once, and I know, I know how this works. My mom used to say, and some of you parents out there can identify, my mom used to say, Shayla, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Back then, we didn't really have cell phones, but now it might be, make sure you don't text and drive. It was like, don't be alone with your boyfriend. You need to kind of keep some people around you. Like, she used to tell me all of these things before I left the house. And then she'd be like, Shayla, are you listening to me? And I'd be like, Mom, I heard you. And she's like, I know you heard me, but are you going to do it? Because, listen, hearing something does not protect you. Doing something does. And we don't need to just hear God's word and read God's word. It's when we do God's word that protection begins to happen in our life. Protection over our relationships. Protection over our finances. Protection of our heart. See, just like with physical heart disease, the doctor tells you you need to exercise, you need to get a better diet, you need to eliminate bad habits, you know, all of these different things. And you can listen to what the doctor says, but nothing changes the condition of your heart unless you do it. 
And the same thing is true spiritually. We can sit in church all day long. We can sit at home and read, but nothing in our life changes. The condition of our heart will never change until we begin to apply what's in here. And if you want a shield to guard and protect your life, you have got to go to God's word. And the scripture ends out and it says, so above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And that is production. The production of our life happens with our heart. See, what is happening in your life reveals what's happening in your heart. And when this verse says everything you do flows from it, what do you think everything means? Everything. It doesn't just mean a select few things. It means everything, your job, your family, your marriage, your relationships, everything you do flows from your heart. I remember there was a time in TJ and I's life when I don't even think it was too long ago, probably like five or six years ago, we were going through a rough patch with each other. And I don't know if you've ever heard TJ, but sometimes he just says whatever's on his mind. And he can just get off and go in, and he just isn't even thinking, and he can just start talking. And you guys can pray for me because that's my life. Um, but there was this time in our marriage, and I was like, everything he was saying to me, I was like, Seriously, dude, I'm getting frustrated. You better, you better back up off me right now. And he was just like everything he said and everything he did, I was so annoyed. I was probably the quarrelsome wife because he was, he was like the constant dripping. And so I'm like, dude, lay off. And I was getting so frustrated. And I remember sitting down one day just like at a loss. Because I didn't see how this was going to get better because every interaction I had with him, it was just like rubbing me the wrong way. And I remember sitting down, and I remember just this still small voice of God saying to me, Shayla, what's changed? And if I really, truly sat back and thought about that, and I did, it wasn't, my, it wasn't his problem, it was mine. See, I had gotten really, really busy in that season of my life, and I began to let my relationship with God slip. I began to, to kind of just pass over my quiet times that I would have in the morning. See, I would get up, and I would, read, I would pray, and I would read my Bible for so long, but I had gotten so busy that I missed that. And I began to have this tension in my relationship and frustration, and God said, it's not his problem, it's yours. And so what I did, I went right back to the, to the thing that I used to do before, and I started picking up my Bible, and I started reading, and everything changed. Because I got my heart right. Listen, I can't give and receive love if I am not connected to the source of it. And I realized, man, my heart needs to change in this. This is, this is me. This isn't him. See, I can't control my circumstances, but I can control my response. And in Luke 6, 45, it says this, A good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil 
out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, it goes back to our heart every single time. Matthew 15, 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. See, all of those things begin internal before they ever become external because it is a heart issue every time. See, what your life is producing is a direct connection to what's going on in your heart. Do you lack peace in your life? Are you anxious all the time? Are you worried about so many things going on in life? Let me take a second and ask you, how's your heart? Do you keep moving from job to job to job thinking the next one I'll be happy, the next one will bring security, the next one will be good, but every single time somebody lets me down or something happens and I just can't find the right job, let me tell you something. There's a common denominator in the equation. And let me ask you something. How is your heart? Or we move from relationship to relationship to relationship and people just keep letting me down and they disappoint me and they hurt me and all of these different things. There's a common denominator in the situation. How is your heart? Because everything in life flows from our heart. It starts with your heart. Here's the deal. It is your heart. Therefore, it is your responsibility. See, we can keep blaming everybody else. We can keep blaming our dad and the people that hurt us and our job and all of these different things. We can blame our circumstances for the condition of our heart. But the reality is it's your heart. It is your responsibility. See, the offense that you carry, it isn't somebody else's responsibility. It is your heart. It is your responsibility. The laziness that continues to creep up in your life over and over again, it's not somebody else's job to hold you accountable. It is your heart. It is your responsibility. The unforgiveness that you keep tucked away, it isn't somebody else's responsibility. See, it's your heart. It is your responsibility every time. See, you determine the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart determines the outflow of your life. And I think all of us in here today, I think we need to do something that King David did a long time ago. And in Psalm 26, 2, it says this. It says, test me, Lord. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. See, King David is saying, look, God, I just, I need you to come in and I need you to look at these places in my heart because I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I'm frustrated. I don't know why all these relationships aren't going right. I don't, can you just come and can you just look at my heart, please? Examine my heart. See, we need to ask God to come in and to examine those places of our life, just like a doctor would come in and he would diagnose an issue. We have a God 
that is so passionate about the condition of our heart, that is a restorer, a healer, a repairer. And if we can just invite him in like we would invite a doctor, he can begin to repair the damages that have been made. But in that process, because it's our heart and it's our responsibility, we have to take responsibility of our own healing. See, a doctor can diagnose the issue, but if you're unwilling to take care of it, nothing changes. And I want to ask all of you guys today, if you really took a second and you said, God, examine my heart. And if you were truly honest with him and if you were honest with yourself, I'm betting that God would say, yeah, you need to let go of that. Yeah, you need to move past that. He wouldn't say, yeah, yeah, that hurt. You need, you need to hold on to that. You, you need to care. Just tuck it away and, and keep it back there. You need to hold on to it. He would say, no, 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 no. You need to let that go. And if you truly allowed God this morning to examine your heart, the most important thing in your life, if you invited him in to examine it, what would you need to deal with today? What would you need to allow God to do in your heart today? Because it's your heart. And it's your responsibility. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? See, the good news is we serve a God who says that he can make all things new. Who can repair the places of our life that have been damaged. And maybe there's some of you guys out there that today you're saying, you know what, Shayla, if I really did allow God to begin to examine my heart, I know that there's some things that I need to deal with, that I need to let go of, that I need to allow God to begin to heal. And if that's you today, would you slip up your hand? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Yes, yes, yes. All over the place. Yes. You know, I think there might be another group of people out there because I've talk to people all the time, and I know we experience this. Maybe some of you guys, maybe you've hardened your heart to God. Maybe you've become closed off because you feel like God let you down. And today you're saying, you know what, I want to restore that place of my life. I want to allow God to come back into my heart and to begin to move. I want to see him with a different perspective. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you too, if you'll just slip up your hand. Yes, thank you. Father God, we come before you. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that loved us so much. you sent your son here to die on the cross so that we could be free. Lord, I ask this morning that as 
people are raising their hands and as they're saying, you know, God, I want you to restore some places of my heart that maybe I've hardened, that maybe I've closed off. Lord, I ask that you would just come in, that you would bring peace, that you would bring healing, that you would bring restoration. God, that you would begin to breathe new life. Lord, we thank you so much that you are a great restorer, that nothing is beyond you, that nothing is too difficult for you. You've just been waiting for us to invite you into that place, God, in this morning. I ask most of all for healing, to diseased hearts, to broken hearts, to lost hearts, to hurting hearts. And that, God, we would learn how to make our heart a priority. Lord, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name.